the biggest process I think we've introduced over the last couple of years in terms of customers and customer retention is asking every customer every month how we're doing across four or five metrics. From Swoop, it's Take the Plunge, a podcast about how business owners decided to swap what they were doing and took the plunge to start their own business. My name is Kieran, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Dave Anderson, who is partner at White Bear. White Bear creates disruption for startups, scale-ups, and big brands who need to step up and stay relevant. White Bear has offices in London and Dublin, and have built up an impressive roster of clients over the years, including Bank of Ireland, Red Bull, Nestle, Deloitte, and M&S. You're very welcome, David. How are you doing today? Thanks, Karen. I'm, I'm pretty good, all things considered. Yeah, enjoying things opening up in London, so can't complain. Great stuff. Well, I know yourself and your business partner, Kelly, are behind White Bear. And if I can try and take you back to the very beginning, appreciate uh, Kelly was in at the very, very beginning before you came on board a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, but talk me through that kind of journey that you went on in terms of deciding to stop what you were doing and then come and join Kelly full-time at White Bear? Yeah, sure. So, so Kelly set up the agency about seven years ago, and I'm obviously Kelly's, Kelly's partner in life as well as business. So I was living vicariously through, through her as she grew the agency, and I was a director from day one, but I was working in the corporate world at the same time. So I was balancing the two and helping her at night and at weekends and so on with growing her business. Um, and it came to a head maybe two and a bit years ago when we were trying to split our time between Dublin and London. The agency was really taking off. Business was was ramping up a lot. And we uh, we had had our first son and he was probably two at that stage. And Kelly had been commuting between Dublin and London. And we just said, it's either now or never. Um, we, we go for it or we don't. And yeah, thankfully, I, I took the plunge and said, yeah, it's, it's now. And uh, quit quit the day job, um, which I was sad to leave, but equally excited to to join the the dream of running our own business together. And we packed our bags and moved back to London. We had been in London for eight years. We went home for our, our first first child, and we moved back to London then in in July nineteen. Um, so just before, I suppose we by the time we got back and settled, then COVID hit. So yeah, it's been an eventful couple of years since then. And then I suppose kind of what were the kind of signals that you were getting in those kind of four and a half years into the business that were showcasing to you, okay, I think there's something here. I think it's worthwhile more investment to potentially scale this up a little bit more. What what were you seeing? I think uh, the first thing is the quality of the work. So the team were doing really, really great work and they're working with really interesting clients. They're working with sort of challenger brands, brands who really wanted to do something a bit different and disruptive. So the work was really, really good. And secondly, uh, we were winning a lot of business. So there was an opportunity for us to, to scale. We were saying we're winning a lot of business. Kelly's trying to run it from Dublin and London. She's on a plane every couple of weeks. It just doesn't make sense. The, the opportunity is there. And I think finally, it was my background was more, um, I, I'm not a creative at all. Um, and, and, and my background is more in operations, finance, consulting. And I had a bit of experience in terms of running teams, um, not quite running business, but the, the nuts and bolts behind it. And we, we saw that as an opportunity for us to split our roles a little bit, free Kelly up a bit more to, to be the face and the creative lead and for me to help run the business. So it was probably a, a combination of all of that. And obviously you've had a pretty close eye on the business from, from day dot. 
In terms mm-hmm. of kind of getting operational as uh, an agency, is there much higher barriers to entry or are there a couple of roles or tactics that you need to have Im- implemented before you can kind of get up and going? I think in terms of barriers to entry, there's not not a huge amount in terms of capital or anything. I mean, you can be creative from anywhere in the world if you have a piece of equipment. I think the the, the big barrier for Kelly was getting out there and getting her name out there and getting her team's name out there and building a brand, uh, an, an agency brand. So there was an awful lot on her part of hustle, really. It was just pure entrepreneurial hustle, getting out there and meeting people and convincing people that she was worth working with uh, and, and, and the value that she would bring. So she she brought a huge amount of grit and hustle to build the business in the first few years, to build clients, to build a track record, to build case studies, because I suppose there's the proof that you've worked with great brands in, in an agency before, but can you do it in, on your own or as part of your own agency? And that's what Kelly really proved over the first few years um, as part of her journey. So in terms of barriers to entry, probably minimal, but but mainly just getting out there and, and meeting people. And then I suppose in terms of kind of growing the teammate, uh, obviously you talked a little bit about I suppose, the power of Kelly. She's out there hustling and obviously convincing people of her creative talents. Um, but obviously it gets to a stage where you're winning lots of business and the type of business that's in it, you require creative talented people and mm-hmm. um, was it hard convincing or building the team up was it was there challenges in that space how did you how did you find that i think that the model kelly followed in the first few years was to hire really talented juniors and she'd work with them quite closely and she'd be the she'd be the lead and she'd empower them but she'd ultimately be the lead. What we've tried to do over the last couple of years, and um, particularly since I've come on board, is level up the team in terms of level of seniority. Because obviously, as we as we grow and scale and take on bigger work or bigger pieces of work as well, we need people who can lead it themselves. And that's one thing that we've really we've really worked on is hiring more senior people. So we have a design director working under Kelly now. We have account directors, and we have more middleweights rather than uh, juniors. So we've quite a a more senior team and what that does is obviously it enables Kelly to have more conversations to have more strategic conversations and so that's probably been the biggest challenge over the last couple of years is leveling up or or bringing the team up to to where we need it to be. And as you've come come on board and looked at kind of more the operational side of things have you kind of introduced kind of new tactics to balance kind of client retention versus going out and winning new businesses or is that always kind of a, a tough dy- dynamic to play out in an agency landscape? Yeah, we've, we've done a ton of things in terms of, so I suppose your questions around retention versus acquisition. And um, mm. uh, what we've done is uh, I think, you know, most businesses uh, and certainly agencies recognize that the cost to acquire a new customer is extremely high, labor intensive, can be soul destroying as well when you go through pitching and don't win. <laughs> And what we really wanted to focus on as a branding agency where typically brands, you know, you, you, you would build a brand over a couple of months and you may say goodbye then and, and move on and see people, you know, periodically really wanted to build longer term relationships. And um, so we've worked really hard on that. We've done more sort of campaign type work, more regular type work with clients. So, yeah, it's just building those relationships and making sure that they last longer than, than the initial couple of months. Um, and obviously with, with you guys at White Bear, you're looking at startups, scale-ups and established businesses. Are you kind of thinking about it, okay, we, we should have X number of startups, X number of scale-ups or X number of big businesses, or is it going to take what comes through the top of the funnel? Uh, well, I suppose, yeah, um, it, it's probably a balance. I think um, 
startups can be challenging to work with because typically they're they're very budget constrained uh, and yeah. it's very difficult. So we we try and work with a select few startups that we really want to work with and and um, may take a take a hit on fees or profitability with them and we balance it with bigger brands who who have slightly bigger budgets and can afford to to work with us and do some of the some of the partnerships we want to do um so it's a it's it's a mix it's a balance really and i suppose as you've kind of grown the kind of client book that you have in terms of ongoing relationships have you brought in kind of tools that enable you to manage those relationships better, kind of reduce administrative tasks? Has there been kind of any kind of game-changing tech that's been pretty useful for you guys? I think it's, it's. I mean, COVID probably forced some of this. Um, it's probably tech and processes, I would say. And I think we were, we were lucky in that the agency had grown up a little bit in terms of Kelly working from Dublin and London. So the team were really used to working remotely even before the world became remote. So there were processes in place that, you know, enabled the team work remotely, uh, talking to clients remotely, all that sort of good stuff. Um, in terms of tech, then when COVID came in, I suppose the usual, you know, Slack, Trello, um, productive, lots of tools that we use to, to keep ourselves honest. Um, but the, the biggest process I think we've introduced over the last couple of years in terms of customers and customer retention is asking every customer every month how we're doing across four or five metrics. And we ask them, we get feedback, and then we build a feedback loop into the team. So our account director will interview all the customers, she'll get feedback on, on where we're at, and anything that we're not where we need to be, uh, anything that's under eight or nine or 10, we'll get feedback and verbatim as to why. And we'll feed that back to the relevant people in the team and say, okay, why do we think this is? What can we do to improve it? We then take that to the client and say, look, here's what we're committing to do, and here's what we're committing to do to address your feedback. So I think that's been the biggest game changer because clients, particularly in a remote world when you would meet them at discrete intervals like presentation one, presentation two, presentation three, quite often they don't get a chance to voice how they feel or anything that's mm. gone, how they mightn't have wanted it to. So we're giving them permission and having those sort of open conversations and it's been it's been it's been useful for them and obviously it's been useful for us. So yeah, that's probably the biggest thing we, we introduced over the last couple of years. And we, did you just introduce that to kind of be proactive or was it reactionary to not getting a read in the client that you, you thought you had? No, it was proactive. I think, you know, we, we recognize that, you know, two things will grow our business. It's doing great work and it's keeping customers happy because from that you get referrals and from that people recommend you. So we realized, we, you know, we, we know we're doing great work and we want to keep customers happy. How do we do that? We keep talking to them. We get their feedback. Um, and I think different personalities are happy to share feedback at certain times with different personalities needed in different ways. So we do we do phone interviews and we do email templates where they can send the feedback virtually rather than face to face or by phone. So we did it. Yeah, we did it proactively. It wasn't in reaction to a, a particular moment or anything. Um, it was actually wrapped up in a wider piece that we've we've done over the last couple of years, which is um, a growth lab that we've done with the mm. team with a non-exec uh, chairman who's taken us through their methodology to help grow a business. And it's essentially about putting uh, building blocks in place to build your business. So like what are the key building blocks or um, foundations of a business that, that help it scale and grow? So you don't become over-reliant on a founder, you don't have process, you don't have systems in place. So one of the things, one of the, the work streams under the growth lab was uh, working on our customer satisfaction, but it's amongst lots of other things like how do we win new business how do we market ourselves how do we do contracts um what systems do we use all those sort of things we mm. 
we've defined over the last couple of years and we've involved the whole team in defining it. So it's been a real sort of, we're growing the business together rather than any changes happening to us. So yeah, it's yeah. Been, uh, been good. And Dave, you, you referenced the Ned chairman there. Do you kind of have regular a board set up in terms of how do you engage with them and how do you decide who you want it in to, to be on your board? Yeah, we've just finished with them actually. It was a two-year engagement um, and it was a monthly uh, a monthly board meeting where we would do the leadership team would go through with the the, the chairman our numbers and our where we're at and our customer sat and all those sort of metrics and uh, mm. discuss any issues arising during the month and then we go through this growth lab that I was talking about where we bring the wider team in to contribute and present their work and, and on a quarterly basis then we change out work streams so for example quarter one might be I, I do a work stream on sales Kelly does a work stream on product development someone else does a work stream on contracts then you finish that you embed it into business as usual and then you move on to quarter two so by the end of a year or two you've changed you've fundamentally changed your business because you've changed 10 or 20 different pillars of the business and the team have been involved in it and defined it themselves so that was kind of it it's great rigor and in terms of like ensuring that you have obviously there's good rigor because you're involving all the team and you have a monthly touch point but were you being proactive in terms of january's new product development february's sales so were you forward thinking what 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 the next one was going to be yeah yeah we planned we planned out the roadmap from the end of the year and work back and say okay what are the 12 or 16 things we want to do this Mm. year and in what order which is more urgent do we want to do marketing before we do contracts do we want to do processes before we do customer sat so we planned it out and then we divvy it up to the team. And what was nice about it as well was um, you'd learn outside of your lane. So like we could have designers learning about contracts or we could have me learning about design type stuff. So everyone got a chance to understand other areas of the business. And I think that's been really useful because now going forward, we all understand a little bit better what all of us do and we're able to pitch in and help where 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 needed. In terms of actually going back into your lane then for a second, mm-hmm. um, obviously you're heavily involved on, on managing the financing side of things. Um, and naturally, I'd imagine with agencies and winning clients, you can have big months, lesser months. How do mm-hmm. you kind of manage cash flow from from that perspective in a, in a business like yours? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm naturally conservative by nature, so... <laughs> I, I provide the breaks a little bit for the rest of the team. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, look, there's guidelines around what, you know, your your monthly um, your monthly cost base, how many months you need in the bank to always have for a rainy day. So we've always stuck to that. We've always been prudent. I, I use, I mean, I use cash flow forecasting. I have my lovely big spreadsheets. I use Float. It's another forecasting tool that yeah. ties into our bookkeeping. And I think it's probably going back to all that. That's kind of after the fact, but... We forecast as well our pipeline based on what's in the pipeline and chances of winning and all that sort of stuff. So we have a good idea where we may have some some fallow months or some busy months and we're able to adjust accordingly. But of course, there's not much you can adjust when you're a service business and you're not paying yeah. rent at the moment because of COVID. It's it's literally all payroll. So my responsibility is making sure we're we're always okay for that. And actually, just on that, out of interest, given as you said, you were very guys were well set up for COVID, working remotely. Have you decided that you'll go back to an office-based working system or are you going to continue as as you are? You know, I, I think we've decided we want to go back, um, albeit in a hybrid. Um, 
I think everyone's enjoyed working from home, but they all miss seeing each other. And um, mm. we have a couple of members of the team who've never met each other in person. Yeah. So I'm sure lots of people are in the same boat. But I think as well, creative people in particular like spending time together and like brainstorming and, and spitballing ideas. And whilst we're well set up to, to deal with that with all the technology we have and Slack and Google and Zoom and all that good stuff, you can't really replace mm. an office or a, a studio atmosphere. So I think we'll probably in the next couple of months look to go back to some some sort of hybrid. Um, but I don't think we, we are, nor many businesses will go back to the full five days a week sitting at the desk. No, um, I think it just from ourselves at Swoop, we, we experienced the exact same in terms of yes, lots of great virtual tools. And yes, great benefits from working from home, but you still sometimes need that human to human interaction and also mm. just the communication flows. And uh, mm. you can easily miss out in a one to one call, but if there's a few people uh, in an office across teams, you can definitely. I think so, up. yeah. I think it's nice to have the balance as well. I mean, you, you, I think in, in, in the scenario where you have both, you look forward to both. You know, you look forward yeah. to working from home because you might want to get your head down into something, but you look forward to going in to, to see people. But I think when it's a five day week and particularly in London, you know, the commutes, commute can be yeah. horrible. It's not, not sustainable um, from any <laughs> perspective. So we won't, uh, we won't go back to that. No, five days of uh, tube is definitely uh, nice. well, well avoidable. And yeah. uh, five days without the Northern line or the central line is also pretty, pretty enjoyable. I, know, I hear you. And I suppose just kind of looking back at it all now, um, obviously you've been more hands-on over the last two and a half years, as you say, but very much attached to the business um, mm. since inception. There must have been some pretty big highlights, big wins on along the way for yourself and Kelly. Are there any kind of milestone moments that really stick out for you? Um, I think uh, personally, it's probably, you know, a couple of milestones when Kelly handed in her notice and went and set up her business. I mean, that's always... Uh, that's always the most bravest move of any entrepreneurs to just give that up and go and do it yourself. And then I suppose continuing from that when I did that as well, because that was kind of really taking the plunge because mm. Kelly's business was always self-sustainable, but equally as a, as a couple, we had, we had a, a corporate income as well, but now we don't anymore. Um, I think just seeing that the quality of the team now that we have, and, and have had, um, we've always been really proud of the team, but just seeing the quality of the team, the people we have is a really proud moment. You know, we've, we've a really diverse team from experiences from just a huge range of brands, huge size of agencies from small to big. Um, and just seeing that team and seeing them work, I think one thing, you know, Kelly and I always talk about the really rewarding part of growing a business and building a team is when you see things happen in your business that you had nothing to do with and they're going great. You know, like someone signs off a new piece of work or someone delivers a really great presentation, we get really great client feedback and, and Kelly or I or some, anyone else may not have been involved, but you realize, wow, the team, are, the team are just really taking the lead themselves. I think that's a really, really proud moment. And so like, I suppose, because a lot of people who will be listening are maybe considering taking the plunge or have just taken the plunge mm. and they're probably going through some of the scary moments of, shit I'm out there on my own or I'm hiring my first couple of people have you mm. felt that having the experience of going through it over a number of years give me gives you more of a, a sense of calm or level headedness it doesn't it doesn't yeah it definitely does I mean you have to go through it and I think any big life experience where there's doubt and there's um 
butterflies or nerves, you know, you just have to go and do it and, and it, it works out. It always works out, I think. And I always just, and Kelly as well, we always talk about the grandfather, the grandmother chair and looking back and saying, if you were, you know, when you're your grandfather and you're sitting in your chair, will you regret not making that decision? So I think that was one of the key things for us. We're like, we, mm. we would regret this if we didn't didn't really give it a go a few years ago but yeah i think it's just just give it a go it does get a, it does get easier but it's you know it's full on as well and we've just yeah. been through covid which wasn't easy for anyone but equally building your own business is so much for me anyway so much more rewarding than working elsewhere and i loved working in in corporate world as well but i love building my own business or our own business uh, much more you can see the impact of things you do and the more you do them, the more you hustle, the more you try things, you can see the impact on your business. And that's really rewarding. Amazing. Mm. Um, I, I love the analogy of the the grandparent chair and, and just putting yourself in there and thinking, what yeah. would you want to be saying back? Um, I think yeah, it's such a lovely way to, to probably uh, wrap it there. Um, I great. just thanks and thanks and Mel, Dave. Uh, you've been amazingly honest and it's been great to hear about all the experience and so pertinent to anyone who wanted to either start an agency or going through that cycle themselves. So really appreciate both, yeah. both your time and all, all the kind of detailed answers that you've given. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, and obviously best luck for everything going forward with White Bear as well. Thank you. You too. Cheers, Karen. Mm-hmm.